Welcome to the Financial Flossing Podcast with Ross Brannan, guiding dental professionals to a brighter future. Ross Brannan is a financial advisor who knows it's not just about your teeth. He helps dental practice owners protect and maximize today's cash flow to plan for tomorrow's cash needs. Find him at rossbrannan.com. On the show, he brings together experts to help dental professionals looking to make smart money decisions to grow their income, turn their retirement goals into reality, and improve their lives. And now, here's your host, Ross Brannan. Welcome to the show. My guest today is Amrita Patel. Amrita is a dentist, ADA success speaker, and recipient of the ADA's 10 Under 10 Award. Today, she joins us on Financial Flossing. Amrita, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. So kind of off topic to start, I understand as a child, you wanted to be an Egyptologist. Now, I don't know what that is, but I'm going to guess that means you wanted to study the pyramids. Is that correct? Partially, yeah. Egyptologists are people that are archaeologists that specifically only study ancient Egypt. So the pyramids are definitely a large part of that. Well, that that would be really cool. I'm not into archaeology, but that would be a fun job. That's pretty cool. So what made you want to become a dentist and how'd you get your start? Yeah. So I follow my father's footsteps into dentistry. So I'm a general dentist. He is an endodontist. And that was that was kind of my path forward. I do remember as a child uh, sitting in after school activities and other people whose parents were physicians were never able to sort of come pick them up. They were being picked up by nannies or other relatives. And my dad got to come and pick me up. And, you know, although I don't have children yet, that sort of stuck with me. So here we are 20 something years later. Well, it's interesting you're a general and he's an endo because I like to joke that endodontists give Snickers bars to their patients as they leave so they can get repeat customers. But generals don't want to do that necessarily. So you, you might have a little bit of a philosophical difference there. Well, you're really big into advocacy and you also do a lot of stuff with the ADA. So talk a little bit about the different things that you do because you're kind of like a jack of all trades. Yeah. So, you know, I was formerly a member of the New York State Dental Association, where I chaired the new dentist committee there for two years. Um, and there we worked on a lot of programming specifically related to students, residents and new dentists. The ADA defines a new dentist as anyone that is 10 years or less out of dental school and says that there is a unique set of challenges um, you know, professionally and personally that come with being in those first 10 years out of school. So we did a lot of programming, um, you know, a lot of leadership training, because obviously leadership kind of takes you through every part of your life, whether it's in your uh, practice, whether it's in your community, and no matter where it is that you choose to settle. I did the ADA Institute for Diversity and Leadership, which was really great because, as we know, the landscape of dentistry has changed and continues to change. And we need to make sure that the people that are decision makers are reflective of the sort of demographics of dentistry. And that's kind of where I am now. So I do speak around the country with uh, students, residents, and new dentists. Um, I get called on to do a lot of programming, and I am now on the board over at the Connecticut State Dental Association. So the ADA 10 or 10 award, it sounds like a really big deal, quite frankly. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So it is an award that is given to 10 new dentists every year. And, and by, and by people- new, it's 10 years and under in, in practice, basically. Exactly. And uh, they're given for people that are leaders in various kind of facets of dentistry, whether that's academia, whether it's science and research, uh, clinic skills, leadership, advocacy, that is, they have defined areas and they pick 10 of us every year. And so I received one in 2021. 
Well, congratulations for that. Thank you. So you're really big in advocacy. And so talk a little bit about that, because I believe advocacy is important. I heard one person say, if you're not at the table, then you're on the menu when it regard in regards to advocacy. And the dental industry had had to fight for some things in the last year or two. So talk a little bit about that. You know, I think communicating the importance of getting involved, even at a grassroots level, is invaluable to safeguard the future of our profession. And one of the best parts about dentistry is that it has not gone the way of medicine. And one of the big reasons that has not happened, which many people are unaware of, is because of the power of our healthcare lobby, ADPAC, in Washington, which is one of the strongest, if not strongest, voices down there. And, you know, action starts at a local level you know, getting involved with your council members, your local senators and representatives, and then obviously translates all the way up to your state house and then to Washington. But, you know, dentistry being involved and being able to access PPP, dentistry being kept out of Medicare Part B, um, access to care, uh, revamping Medicaid. These are all things that we, you know, really definitely lobbied for and kind of got things done the way we wanted to. The McCarran-Ferguson delaying interest from compounding when students are in school, these are all very important hot button issues that we've been talking about for a while that organized dentistry specifically as a whole has has lobbied for for years and, and has gotten done through the power of everyone working together, starting off at the local level. So let's talk about the Medicare one, because that was a big one either last year or the year before, and that would have been an absolute game changer. To kind of, for those who aren't aware or don't follow that type of stuff, kind of explain what was going on there. Yeah. So, you know, we know that there are obviously uh, very needy people that Medicare serves. And, you know, this was not about that. We had proposed potentially putting, putting dental benefits in its own category. We were calling it Medicare, potentially part T for tooth. Uh, but what would have happened is that dentistry would have been kind of shelved into Medicare Part B. And it would have seriously affected not only the care we were able to provide, but patients that were seeking care. So, you know, if everyone suddenly had their dental benefits converted to Medicare and the reimbursements were not adequate, you as a provider could choose to not accept Medicare. But now you're not accepting pretty much any dental insurance because Medicare has the market share of insurances like they do uh, in healthcare. It's it's basic economics. And unfortunately, there are unintended consequences that the people who write bills don't always realize when they're writing the bills. Correct. Correct. And so that would have been, like I said, terrible for us as a profession and frankly, even worse for our patients, some of whom struggle now to get the care they need. And so that was that was a big one. And that was in the fall of 2021. That was last year. Yeah. It's, um, so now are there what other hot button issues are on the horizon? Yeah. And, you know, right now we did just have our ADA lobby day. Washington Leadership Day. So basically dental students and dentists and leaders from around the country meet in Washington once a year. Of course, before the pandemic, we were meeting every year. This is the first year we've met in the last two years where we identify certain issues like interest rates, uh, like ERISA, these things that kind of keep coming up. And we go to Washington, we go to meet our representatives. We're all sort of broken down according to, to what state we're from. And we get to meet and sometimes interface with the actual representatives themselves. Um, and if not them, their staffers who often have uh, more info than than they do themselves. And that's how we've, we've been able to, to get change. And if you look at the kind of news that the ADA pumps out, one of the big ones is Medicaid reform, which we work hard at. So uh, that's what's going on right now. So what specifically is the ADA trying to do with in regards to Medicaid reform? <laughs> 
I think the big thing that people forget in general before I get into that is that insurance is largely regulated at the state level. So when you see people getting upset about why isn't the ADA doing this or why isn't the government doing this, insurance is for the most part are regulated at the state level, except, of course, Medicare and Medicaid, right? So there's a lot of things that go into those specific uh, two types of insurances that we can talk about at the at the national level. But state by state, the reimbursements are wildly different. That is regulated at the state level. So, um, you know, we're having, we're seeing a big issue where patients have Medicaid and then are unable to find care. There's no in-network dentists for hundreds of miles. And the number one reason, aside from how tedious the program is to work with, I mean, ask any dental office staff how difficult it can be, uh, is the reimbursements dropping. Um, and it was kind of like dentistry being in Medicare Part B, where it's great if someone has an insurance, but if no one's in network, they're not getting the care they need which is right. translating into a lot more ER visits, which is putting a stress on our healthcare system that was already overburdened. So it's sort of a vicious cycle. Yeah, that's interesting. So you do a lot of speaking um, about practice management and other things. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So, you know, kind of through my travels through organized dentistry in the last 10 years of my career, the one thing that I really kind of got the most involved with was doing programming specifically related to planning and management. And, you know, the the main sort of tenet that I base everything I speak about on is always being teachable and not being myopic. And what I mean by myopic is that dentistry as a profession tends to miss the forest for the trees. And so they get very focused on the here and now, and they forget to kind of look forward in the future and plan where they want to be, where they see themselves and and kind of how things are going to play out for them. You know, it's nice to always have the newest car or live in the coolest city or whatever it is when you get your first paycheck. But, you know, where do you see yourself? Where do you want your life to be? And how do you get to where you're going? One of my very dear friends and mentors is Gina Dorfman. Gina owns a company called Yappy. She's also a practicing dentist out in California. And I was listening to a presentation she gave recently, and she said something that really resonated. And that was, you know, when you're applying to dental school, you kind of build a roadmap with your counselor about how you're going to get there. What are you going to, what tests are you going to take? What classes are you going to take? What grades do you need? What's the minimum? You know, you get into really the numbers and the nitty gritty to get four years or five years down the road. And then you get there and you get into the real world because you finished. And then all of that sort of planning, that road mapping goes, gets tossed out of the window um, and everything becomes very here and now. And so we that's sort of what I like to talk about first and then go outwards from that, talking about planning, about what kind of life you might want to have. So working with your father, has that been um, challenging or has that been like awesome or, or uh, you know, like fantastic and like you would never want to work with anybody else besides him it has been probably one of the greatest blessings of my life he is the smartest man i know and it's been wonderful to be able to take the knowledge that i've gained from him and use the platform i have to pay my blessings forward because that's what i sort of decided i was going to do when i got my start in this career so you know you're 10 years in what would you tell yourself 10 years ago that you didn't know you wish you would have known I would have told myself 10 years ago to probably have done a GPR, a general practice residency, which everyone in New York has to do uh, to get licensed in an area completely different from where I knew I was going to end up because I would have gotten experience to a patient pool, to mentors that I'm never going to get again. And that's actually one of the things that I tell people, uh, especially graduating students, when they ask me about where they should live or what they should be looking for. I tell them to get really far out of their comfort zone because you're getting paid, you're getting training, 
and it's just a year of your life and you're never going to get that chance again. Right. So what do you see the biggest mistakes that dentists make? Obviously, you know, not getting a GPR. I don't know that we classify that as a mistake. That's a missed opportunity. But what, what would you say the biggest mistakes when you when you talk to people and you're and these people who are new, they're young, they're finished school, they're their first year practicing. What do you see the biggest mistake is that they're making? Yeah, I think that they're probably not doing research adequately and believing everything they see on social media as truth. Wait, wait, are you telling me everything on social media is not true? I know, right? I know. What a revelation. There's a reason why I'm not on it. Uh, So (laughs) again, so if you're looking at your dental, if your dental uh, manufacturers uh, or or dental salespeople on Instagram and all the products they have on there or the the companies that you're, you're, you're buying stuff from, if you're following their feeds on Instagram, that's probably not the best way to do your research, I'm guessing. Correct. So, but it's funny because I've talked to people before and they say, okay, I'm going to do some research on that. I'm like, okay, great. Where are you going to research? YouTube. I'm like, that's not research. Read a book. There's some great leadership books out there. There's there's a lot of good content out there that's not a, a, a video made by a content creator and who knows where with who knows what kind of experience. Yeah, that's a whole other subject that we go down. Let's not do that. But um, so, all right. So you said you, you wish you did your residency somewhere outside of your comfort zone, outside of a demographic that you're currently seeing, what else would you say to yourself? I think I probably would have gotten started sooner with programming with students. And I'll tell you why. So, you know, you don't know what you don't know, right? And in dental school, we're very, very focused on clinical dentistry, getting our requirements done, matching grades, whatever it is. And, you know, dental school is so full of all of that, that there's really not time left to learn about the real world, right? About how do you choose if you want to do a startup or buy uh, buy an office, you know, or be an associate forever or specialize, or there's so much that you just don't know. And there's really not a place to go find it except for, you know, polling your friends or sometimes social media. And I wish that I would have maybe started to put together some of this programming and started my work, especially with students earlier, because there is just such a gap there. And I, and I think I could have done better when I look back on it now. Yeah. It's real challenging because dental school is clinical. You don't learn anything about owning a practice, managing a practice, running a business, anything about finances at all. And what's crazy is I think owning a practice is an incredible opportunity, but I've met people who want to get out because they hate managing people. I can't tell you how many times people was like, I hate managing people. I want to get out. I hate managing people. I want to get out. And I'm like, and the people who are the most successful are the ones who learn how to run a business and they, they are business owners who happen to be dentists. And they're the ones who just really just do really, really well from a financial perspective. Yeah. Now, I mean, communication is an art. So, you know, people that don't know how to manage people properly have not wrapped their brain around that. You know, yeah. barking orders at a group of people is not the way to manage or get anything done. Now, with your practice, your father being you know, the senior person and does he manage the practice and are you just basically an associate or are you kind of taking some leadership in the practice? Yeah. So, you know, we have a group of associates that works with us. Um, and so I probably split my time uh, more skewed towards admin uh, and expansion, but, you know, we have other associates that do still do the lion's share of the, the clinical dentistry. And we definitely try hard to focus on 
hiring the newer associates. And, you know, one of the things my father likes to say is that when he came to this country, God, 40 something years ago, someone gave him a chance. Someone took a chance on him when he was brand new. And so that philosophy, that mentality is very important to preserve. But mentorship takes time. You know, it's very hard to be 40 hours a week clinical chair side and then also take the time to mentor. So that's where I focus most of my attention. So you haven't had the struggle of work of the, the challenge that a lot of new people who don't have a lot of associates or established practice of working in versus working on the business. And which is such a challenge for when you're new, you know, you got to be, you got to get your, you got to see patients, got to see patients, but you have to work on the business to grow it. But you have, you're, you're lucky enough. That's not a challenge that you've had. Correct. And, you know, I'll tell you that I did do a lot more clinical dentistry earlier in my career and being, you know, one of the other things I like to talk about is being intentional with what you spend your time on and what you give your mental bandwidth to uh, is important. And, you know, even for the newer graduates, we very much encourage them to take the time off and go take CE and, you know, take courses and enrich their minds and figure out what it is that they don't know and learn more about it. And even if it's at the expense of a couple of days at the practice, the dividends that pay off by doing that down the road are just endless. So I always ask as we, as we kind of, kind of tie things or as we kind of close things down or finish things up, finish the conversation up, if you will, I always like to ask a couple of questions that I ask to every, every guest. And you've kind of already spoke to this a little bit, but what advice would you give to a brand new dental school graduate? I think I would tell them to find a mentor as number one. And so when you say find a mentor, what would you say to look for in a mentor? So I think a mentor, first and foremost, especially in this era where COVID is still kind of a thing, unfortunately, I would say a mentor doesn't necessarily have to be someone that's right by your side physically all the time. Uh, I think it's more important that a mentor shares your philosophy, uh, maybe not just on practice, but maybe also in life, um, you know, kind of the way they live their life. The, what their interactions with others are like, maybe what community uh, projects or groups that they're involved in that align with yours. Some of the best lessons I've learned have been from people that are not dentists, that I've just sort of met in life. And I think that that's really important, especially for someone that's brand new, that maybe doesn't have a support system and is looking for answers and kind of looking to build a framework about how they want to live their life. That's really good. Um, you mentioned earlier reading books, how it's a foreign concept a little bit now. Um, but uh, I read a lot. What books, what book do you recommend or what are you, what are you reading currently that's really that you like or you would recommend? Yeah. So I actually, Fred Joyle wrote a book about dental marketing. Uh, it's a couple years old at this point, but out of all of the books I've read that had anything to do with dentistry at all, which is what people like to ask me, I think that one is really important. You know, I think Patients at the end of the day put the food on our tables, right? And how we treat them and how they kind of move through the line of being taken care of in our offices and what that experience really means to a patient. He lays it out really nicely in his book. And I think, you know, he also talks about, you know, a, a patient that's happy is your best referral for life. They will mm. tell every single patient uh, person that they know to be your patient at zero cost to you. But if you upset someone on the flip side of this, they will make sure to tell everyone they know not to come to you. So kind of how to harmonize that patient experience and, and what that means, he lays out really nicely in his book. So I really like that one. Currently, I'm reading a lot about all the ongoing issues in our advocacy world. So nothing necessarily. That's, that's probably a little dry. That's a little dry right that's, there. That is very dry. But, um, you know, I'm happy to send over some some other leadership books that I've read over the years that you can maybe put on to accompany this podcast. Uh, great. And last question, what's the best advice you've ever received? 
the best advice I've ever received is from my dad. And I remember being 19 years old and home for, I guess, I don't know, my birthday or something from college. And I was super happy that it was my 19th birthday. And he walked in and he was like, I know that you are 19 now, but your life is going to go by in the blink of an eye. So you think that it's infinite and you have all this time. It is precious and valuable and take the time to be better every single day than you were the day before. And I remember that day like it was yesterday and it was 17 years ago. Yeah, it's, it, I love the saying, the days drag on, but the years fly by. Yep, yep. And all we can do is be better or strive to be better every day than we were the day before. And that is how I choose to live my life. That's great. That's great. Well, uh, it is, Amrita, it's been fascinating to talk to you. And I really appreciate your time today. Thank you for having me. It was great. Yeah, absolute pleasure. You've been listening to the Financial Flossing Podcast with Ross Brandon. Tune in next week for our next episode. This has been another episode of Financial Flossing with Ross Brannan, guiding dental professionals to a brighter future. If you liked what you heard, consider subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts. For more on Ross Brannan, visit rossbrannan.com. Registered representative and financial advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, PAS, OSJ, 3664 Coolidge Court, Tallahassee, Florida, 32311, 850-562-9075. Securities products and advisory services offered through PAS, member FINRA, SIPC. Financial representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. PAS is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. North Florida Financial is not an affiliate or subsidiary of PAS or Guardian. California Insurance License Number 0L10073. Arkansas Insurance License Number 1613902. 2021 1195.35. Expires 423. That last part can also say 2021 119535. Expiration, April 2023. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by PAS, Guardian, or North Florida Financial, and opinions stated are their own. Ross is a registered representative and financial advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, PAS, OSJ, 3664, Coolidge Court, Tallahassee, Florida, 32311, 850-562-9075. Securities, products, and advisory services offered through PAS, member FINRASIPC. Financial representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. PAS is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. North Florida Financial is not an affiliate or subsidiary of PAS or Guardian. Arkansas Insurance License Number 16139032. California Insurance License Number 0L10073. 2022-138-847. Expiration 0524. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. Thank <laughs> you.